you know, I think my tagline at this point has just become hello friends. I, I don't know if I come Jim Nance or what, but I've, I've listened back a couple times. It seems like every time I start this show with hello friends. Uh, I mean, at this point, I think it's only friends that are left listening. What? So at this point, I think it's only friends that are left listening. So yeah, we're talking oh right God. to the demographic. If, if then there's, you know, racy of St. Louis Park, Minnesota, that, that guy probably has about our last 24 episodes queued up, ready to listen to and, He's got like a cross country road trip or something, uh, but he, yeah, we basically have friends left. He's always been a few episodes behind. A few episodes behind is a few episodes behind, and that's what that's what our podcast should be called. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a few episodes behind. And half Chelsea fan or is is two mos. Um, I take it you do not have an ad read this week. No, no ad read. Neither do I. I th- I think that's probably. Uh, on the account of we only have a listening audience that are our friends that feel obligated to listen to us. Uh, so with that, if you don't have an ad read and I don't have an ad read and we have nothing else to bash Hunter about, should we just hit the music? Yep, hit it. This week, I mean, our skit, maybe this is, you know, I think we're just peeling back the curtain, peeling back the layers of the onion here. Maybe another reason we don't have consistent listening audiences is because some weeks we record on a Thursday, some weeks it's a Wednesday, sometimes it's shot out the door at midnight, sometimes it's out the door on people's drive home, sometimes an episode's an hour and a half, sometimes 40 minutes. We're just, we're just too inconsistent. I don't. I don't think we have enough consistency to to keep the people going. Sometimes we just talk and talk and talk, and you know, we just have a lot to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about. So we are recording on a Wednesday. Uh, the reason being is I will not be in the state, God willing, at this time tomorrow. Uh, I am traveling with my girlfriend Megan to Boston, Massachusetts. Have you ever been? Have never been. That is the reason we chose to go there. Uh, she has never been either, surprisingly. Um, or maybe not surprisingly, but ironically, originally this vacation or trip was scheduled to be a trip to Louisville. Louisville. For a... Oh, trust me. When you start dating someone who has family from the South, if you don't pronounce it Louisville, if you pronounce it Louisville... With the, the E sound, you will get harassed like there's no tomorrow. I remember we were in uh, the great state of Alabama last year for the Auburn game, and I asked, I specifically asked a girl who was from Louisville. I said, how do you pronounce your city? And she said, Louisville. So and that's, make sure that's what it is. Make sure you don't add that E. Anyways, we were supposed to be there for a family wedding, uh, but due to other circumstances and things that have occurred we decided just to make it a trip instead for us to go so we are going to boston we are leaving tomorrow i say god willing because let me tell you uh boston which to be honest all states should probably be doing this boston is very strict with who they will let into the state you ne- unless you're coming from a lower risk state which newsflash minnesota is definitely not and i think that's part of the reason is due to because i saw a graphic the other day Apparently, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, and Wisconsin all have surging cases, and I think it's because none of them give an absolute damn about social distancing or masks. South Dakota never had a mask mandate. They just rolled it right through. Yeah, and so those cases are surging, so I'm sure that's spilling over to Minnesota. You have you know, Minnesotans traveling to those states. But anyways, we're not a lower-risk state, and so in order to enter the state of Massachusetts, you either have to A have self-quarantined for 14 days well i'll tell you what no matter how bad i want to go to boston massachusetts it's just not feasible to self-quarantine for 14 days if you're required to to do it because you yourself are actually sick then yes i can understand that yes that's a you know responsible and a a duty you have I i can also say that based on my quarantine for 14 days that 
I did it when I was sick, so I just slept a lot. I can't imagine doing that when you're completely healthy. Right. It was fucking terrible. But at the same time, you can't imagine wanting to do anything while you're supposed to be quarantined anyways. Like yeah. It sounds like that's how poor you felt. So, yes. you know, I, that regardless, I did not have any symptoms. I did not feel sick. I did not feel like I had come into contact with anyone that um, within the time frame that I would have been... Uh, positive for COVID. So I was like, I'm not going to self quarantine for 14 days. So their other option is uh, to get a negative COVID test produced, I, I guess a COVID test produced, and then have the results come back negative within 72 hours of the time you're arriving in Massachusetts. And so at first I was like, well, how are they really going to monitor all this stuff? Like, couldn't we just say, hey, yeah, we quarantined for 14 days, but you have to fill out like a travel form. And you have to state on there and sign it. And you can get like a $500 fine per day if you don't follow it. So I did finally get the COVID test. Uh, I don't know if it's because we have gotten further into the time of COVID being a real thing. But the test was not as bad as I expected. They weren't jamming a Q-tip up there. It's pretty tame. Uh, and I had the results in... 12 hours i will say that that is one of the most surprising things about it is that everyone i've talked to has gotten the results back within 12 to 24 hours i mean that's that's pretty huge and the nerve-wracking thing is like i said so we're we're flying into boston tomorrow you have to have the negative covid test within 72 hours so my brain was like we got to do this on monday because that's basically 72 hours out from when we're arriving it gives us the maximum amount of time to get you know maximum amount of time to get the results back Looking back now, had I known, you know, and online they say you'll get your results back in three to four days. So I was kind of sweating it. I'm like, even, All right. even when I got mine, they said they said it could up, be up to a week. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, let's not take any chances. Had I known I was going to get the results back in 12 hours, I would have just gone today. So I wouldn't have even had to worry about it because, you know, I'm right on I'm right on pushing the 72 hour time frame. But I'll tell you what, if they're going to be sticklers uh, about, you know what time I actually got the test, I'm going to be shocked. I mean, at least you got the test. Some people, like you said, are probably just willy-nilly flying in saying they've been quarantined for two months. Right. And I can confirm that I looked at Delta today. Delta is still doing the, unless it must be unless you're with family or people you live with, because there are some rows that are three full or, you know, have two people sitting next to each other. But other than that, it's aisle, window, aisle, window, all the way down and back. So uh, this is my second time flying during the COVID times, and I'm interested to see how it goes. I already told you we're on a little bit of a time crunch tomorrow. Really hoping that security is not an issue. But Just remember when you open that uh, hand sanitizer, you're not squirting it in the eyeball. Oh, right? God, that was that was a horrific experience. And, well, the last flight I was on, I saw Travis Kelsey, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll see another celebrity. That's true. But regardless, that is why we are recording on a Wednesday. I will be in Boston. We don't really have much planned. I, you know, I wanted to go tour Fenway, but... I don't think they're allowing that. So I think we're still going to go down to Fenway and just explore around the stadium. Great, great area. Check out the area. We watched the town oh, this week in anticipation. I mean, kind of a weird movie to choose because while it is about Boston, it's basically about bank robberies and debauchery. So, uh, you know, not necessarily like a entertaining, you know, fun vacation thing, but it's kind of cool to, you know, watch have you, movie uh, movie. have you reached out to our long lost cousin, uh, Michael J? I, I have reached out to Michael J. He even offered to let us stay at his house. Very generous of him. However, I decided not to take him up on the offer because one, uh, the, illustrious cousin Mike will not be in Massachusetts. He will be in a different state. I don't even remember which one he's golfing or something. So he's on a golf trip. So he will not even be there. And you know, I've met his fiance once lovely lady, very nice. However, I feel like I could see cousin Mike just offering up the guest bedroom without, you know, even asking. Yeah. Consulting with his, uh, significant other so and you know like i said she's never met megan and she met me for you know 12 hours so i'm not entirely sure she'd want us being there the whole time so i i did talk to cousin mike had he been there i was gonna suggest going out to dinner one night meeting up with him and uh his beloved but alas he will not be there so sadly i must wait probably another two years until i get to see cousin mike again 
I mean, he's a legend, so he'll be back soon. Have, have you ever been to Boston? I have. Do um, you have any suggestions for what we should do? Right now, I'll tell you this much. Right now, I mentioned that at some point we want to go to uh, Fenway. Uh, I happened to be at a gathering with individuals a couple Fridays ago, um, and uh, apparently one of the guys I was talking to used to live in Boston, and he and his partner specifically mentioned a certain Italian restaurant that I needed to go to because it was so good, and then I needed to go down the street and get a cannoli from a restaurant right down the place. So on that Thursday night, when we get us oh, so tomorrow night, when we get there, we are checking out said Italian joint. That that's what he kept saying. He kept saying the Italian joint. So it's not what it's called, but if you call it the Italian joint, that's got to be, be like good. a hole in the wall. Like this guy's been there every Thursday for like three years. They're probably running, you know, mob business yeah. out of the basement. There's a poker game going on at all times. But so we're checking that out. Friday, wide open plans. Saturday, we're checking out some distillery uh, midday, <clears throat> and then we're going to a waterfront seafood restaurant because you got to get fresh seafood when you're there, even if you're not the biggest seafood fan. I feel like you got to do it. So fresh from the harbor. So that is that is our current. We, we have pretty open. I mean, tomorrow's pretty open. We get in at noon. Not a whole lot going on. Uh, Friday completely open. Do you have any suggestions? Um, I have. I was there in 2005 with my family on a little nice family vacation. Um, so I don't remember a ton, but the one thing I will recommend about Boston is, is, especially if you like history, it's very historical and you know, it's, you know, there's always the touristy traps and stuff, but do the, you know, the old North church, do Bunker Hill, do, do the stuff that, that you learned about as a kid, because you'll realize that it's been there forever and you just didn't even really know. Right. Like the old North church is literally in the middle of a neighborhood and that's yeah. where Paul Revere is putting up, you know, the one if by land, two if by sea. I've 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 actually seen that you can go to Paul Revere's house and it's still there. Yeah, do that stuff. It's actually it's it, you can be in and out pretty quick, take a couple pictures, and just to say you've been there is is quite interesting. Actually, I, I'm almost thinking Friday is going to be an exploration day yeah. to go check out these historical things, check out Fenway, like just go explore because you know, even though we can do some of that, you know, tomorrow and Saturday, I think I'm assuming, you know. I'll probably be a bit hungover on Saturday morning. I don't know if I necessarily anticipate getting up, moving early to get there before the distillery. So uh, we will see. That is our plan. I've been told do not go to the Samuel Adams Brewery. I've been told that was a horrible experience. And actually, it was from same couple that I talked just briefly mentioned about the With Italian, the Italian joint. joint. What? With the Italian joint. The Italian joint. Yeah. They said, because this is... It was kind of a small world type of moment. Never met these two individuals before. I, we had mentioned, I mentioned to him, hey, you know, we might be going to the Sam Adams Brewery Tour. He goes, do not do it. I go, that's good to know because I did the Coors Brewery Tour. And it was awesome. And it was awesome. You and yes. I did that together. And they said, we also have done the Coors Brewery Tour. And that one is about 10 times better. And so if I had to scale that back, I have to imagine the Sam Adams Tour is just absolutely See that, not That's wild it. because I've done, we did the Coors. It was a great time. I threw up in the bathroom. Wonderful experience. We, we did. Not, not the throwing up part. Yeah, the, that, the that, tour. that part. Um, that part. Uh, I did the Bush Tour in St. Louis. That was excellent. So, I mean, I don't know what oh, Samuel yeah. Adams. <laughs> I don't know what Sam Adams is doing. I don't get it either. And the other thing is Sam Adams is out of the way. Like it would, it just would not make sense. So we're not going to do that. Uh, really my only regret and granted, not like I'm a huge Red Sox or even baseball fan. Not that Megan is either. I do wish this had been like a regular season of sports yeah. and they were allowing fans in and especially if like the Red Sox had been in the playoffs I would have for sure shelled out for two tickets to go to a Red Sox playoff game that seems like a once in a lifetime type of thing we but had we had friend Tanner H of Champlin now Vasio go to a Red Sox playoff game and he said it was delightful by himself yeah. I mean he is granted he is a diehard Red Sox fan yep. but he went by himself and he went and explored the city went to the game he said it was an amazing experience. So, like I said, even though there's no games, even though they're not allowing, allowing tours, I do still want to go check it out. I want to see what all the history is about. It's one of the coolest states. I mean, we've been to Wrigley. Yep. That'll be nice to say I've been to Fenway. So, that is that is why we're recording tonight. That is, that is the plan. Boston, here we come. Well, I will uh, be on the lookout for the Instagrams. I know the uh, lovely will be putting them on. So, you'll be getting the likes from me. Right, I, Megan? We, appre we appreciate the, We appreciate. What is that? 
Oh, we got some lights. We got we're, we're yes, of course. We're spookying up the place for October here. Uh, naturally, the only place to go from here is Big Brother. And last week's triple eviction, we have some we have some divided opinions here. You had mentioned you thought it was pretty boring. I personally thought it was pretty entertaining. So, uh, where do we want to start? There's a lot to unpack. It's two hours of just nonstop action. I mean, do we want to just? It's going to be too. I think it's going to be too hard to actually break down every competition. So, do we Absolutely. just want, do we just want to say who went home and kind of how? Yeah, that, we'll just kind of recap it. So basically, we'll we'll hit the we'll hit the high points. Yeah. So the first nomination eviction ceremony was. Uh, was it Nicole and David? Yeah. Uh, Dave, well, David, D- David and Kevin. Excuse me, David and. That's Kevin. why we have you here, Megan. So David and Kevin went up against each other. They kept David. Um, I don't really know why, other than Cody wanting Kevin to be gone. Kevin and Cody kind of had that weird spat the night before. Yeah, that was kind of weird. I don't so really then, know what was going on there? So then, after that all happens, Julie. Chen Moonvez comes on this loudspeaker and says, uh, it's actually a double eviction tonight. And so Memphis ends up winning head of household. He has to pick nominations almost immediately. Shocker, picks David. Picks David, who he has been gunning for. I mean, at this point, if you told me Memphis was a closet racist for how many times Dude he hates picked David, David for some reason. I would not be surprised. In also, that. I have some breaking news. Oh. They knew it was a triple eviction. Okay, so... Let's just get right to that. I was going to say it. Hannah O. Julie screwed it up. Long lost friend Hannah O. Contacted me and said, just so you know, they knew it all along. Really? Yeah. Well, basically what I... Kind of ruins the allure. What I think... So did they know because the producers told them? Yeah, on on the Monday. They told them it was a triple eviction. Which, why would they do that? That's so dumb. Yeah. So, well, the other thing I was going to point out is that Julie came on the screen at one point, and Triple was like, "Oh yeah, and she's like, don't pay attention to what you see yeah, behind like, me. Don't don't look behind the at the man behind the curtain, a la Wizard of Oz. So whatever. So Memphis wins, puts David up, puts Nicole up. Which, um, I mean, it is what it is. I think at that point they basically had to put up someone in the alliance, so they didn't really have a choice. Well, you would have thought they killed Nicole's dog the way she got put up. Oh, Nicole, I'm going to get to Nicole. I am so done with her, but we'll get to there when we get there. So this was a big turning point in the game, however, because Tyler and Christmas actually wanted to vote Nicole out, which to me makes sense because Tyler had an association with David. Tyler and Nicole could pull David in. Plus, Nicole is a former winner. So and and let's be honest, David wasn't winning anything. Right. He could have been dragged along basically as long as they wanted him to and he i mean he wasn't gonna win it right and so nicole is a former winner unfortunately and we did not find this out until sunday's episode and i noticed this when we were watching live it's it's kind of funny how lame we are sometimes with this stuff but i noticed as they were going from the you know live voting room talking to julie and then the little hallway where you pass your your the next vote yeah and they usually like high five or something there was a lot of conversation going on and then with enzo they flashed to inside the room, the camera inside the room, and it just was a door not opening for like 10 seconds. So I was like, okay, clearly Enzo is talking to Tyler. Basically, we found out Tyler and Christmas are trying to get Enzo to help flip the vote so that it would be three to two. Nicole goes home um, and David stays. Well, Enzo last second basically decides I'm not going to flip my vote. That's a ballsy move on a double of it because, like you said, it's literally a 10-second conversation yeah. in the hallway. Yeah, and so Enzo did not flip his vote. So then the whole house basically knows Tyler and Christmas are the two that voted. Uh, uh, in the long run, uh, David is the one who goes home. Nicole stays. Uh, everyone finds out that Tyler and Christmas are in cahoots. Tyler goes on to win the next head of household. Puts up Danny and Nicole. No surprise there. He was going to put Danny up from the start, which I'm glad he did. Danny had it out for him. She's and an then, ultimate shit stir, too. Yeah. Danny had it out for him. Acted like she didn't have it out for him, but really did the whole time. And, you know, she, if she would have won, Tyler would have been up. So good on Tyler. Well, uh, and, and ba- based on kind of what we found out, too, it was kind of imperative that Tyler won that HOH because he could have been, been going home. Oh, absolutely. So. And so... 
Uh, Danny goes home in a unanimous vote. She tries to blow everything up at the end, says Tyler and Christmas have a final two. You know, it's pretty clear these days when, you know, someone blows things up at the, you know, eviction speech that they pretty much know they're going home and they're just trying to stir the pot. Uh, she was a little bit offended because Cody did not vote for her, which I did find kind of funny because, you know, I get it. You're like really good friends in the house, but if Cody still has a chance to win, he's going to have to You can't just vote. throw a random vote right. out there. They and were so, getting a little snuggly this year, though. And Christmas and Danny do not like each other. They showed on Sunday's episode. I, I know I'm revealing a few things, but on Sunday's episode, basically, Danny was like, or Nicole, or Jesus Christ, Christmas, as she was going to evict Danny, announced it as she was walking to the room. She goes, Danny, I can't wait to vote you out. I've been waiting to do this. Like, basically. That is it, a power yeah, move. Yeah, throwing it right in her face. And so, anyways. Danny goes home, uh, Cody wins the next HOH, and he puts up Christmas, and by the way, I will say, so Sunday's um, head of household competition, similar to uh, OTEV, Mm -hmm. this is a competition I feel like they have every year, it's the undressing competition, where you gotta have, you know, like three buttons depressed, while you're undressing, I feel like at least... Oh, yep. yep. yep so th- that has been incorporated into the season basically right, year after year. Right. So you basically are dressed in clothing. You need to keep buttons pushed down. If you take your hand off one button, your time speeds up 10 times the normal speed. If you're off two buttons, it goes 30 times the normal speed. And if you're off all three buttons, it's 60 times the normal speed. So, you know, your time could go from three minutes to 16 minutes in the blink of an eye if you're not paying attention. So anyways... Cody wins, uh, nominates Tyler and Christmas, and now tonight we have the veto competition. And to be honest, um, I do not want Nicole to win. She's acting so woe is me. They tried to flip the vote on me. Uh, Newsflash, Nicole, you have not won a single competition this entire season. Like I, I did not see her original season, so I don't know how she played. Maybe you can provide some insight. I get she's a former winner. I don't even think her social game is that good. Well, she just kind of skates by under the radar. Well, I'll say this. She's played twice before this. Both times she had a guy in her back pocket to kind of will her through the game. And then she ended up marrying or she ended up being with neither of them. And then she picked a different guy from the season. And the guys, another reason I don't like her. I just her. don't like her because she talks like this and she has a weird nose. The other reason I don't like her is because she basically said Ian was her friend but made fun of his autism behind his back. And there's no room for that at any point in time. So, Nicole, <laughs> get lost. So, I do not want her to win. Um, I don't really want Memphis to win. He's, I haven't really liked him all year. I'm fine with Cody winning. My preference would actually be for Enzo... Tyler or Christmas to win. I think the three of them have played the best games in terms of winning competitions in the social game. They they also had a portion of the episode on Sunday. We talked last week about how Cody didn't understand that like being a Texan or a Minnesotan or a Californian was a thing. Last week, or this last, last episode, they did uh, a counter on the screen during a conversation he had with Christmas on how many times he said the word like, it was a brief conversation. I think he said 28 times. It was hard to listen to. Worst, worst thing about Cody, his uh, GPA or his tattoos. <laughs> oh, we didn't even mention on the tattoos last week. He also has the Chinese symbols on the inside of his body. I mean, like so he's got the he's got the trifecta. That's that's like the early or like mid two thousand soccer player like. Or like back when we played high school football, like you, you get the initials on your arm. Yeah, with like it, a it's literally it. the cross, the barbed wire, and the Chinese symbols. It's it's quite literally the the trifecta of tattoos. So that's where we're at uh, tonight. I'm pulling for Tyler, or you know, personally, I want. I mean, everyone's playing in the veto, so I guess even if Memphis were to win, Memphis has that final three to a degree with mm-hmm. Christmas. So. He might take Christmas off, uh, especially because at this point you're just. Although if I were him, I personally, I mean, if I, unless you're up on the block, I probably would not use the veto at this point when there's only six left, soon to be five. I mean, y- there's just no reason to show your hand that strong. But again, I'm a big brother noob. This novice. is and this is kind of where the 
Big Brother gameplay really starts because this is, and especially last week when Nicole to get nominated, that was like the first uh, friendly fire kind of that was taken, and now it's all friendly fire. Now it's you have to now your little, you know, day two alliances are kind of coming through. Yeah, now you kind of really know who's on what team, and there's no choice. I mean, yeah. and you know the the nice. Th- I mean, I guess the nice thing, well, not the nice thing because Memphis Memphis can't spin it if he if he takes christmas off he really can't spin it any other way other than he's working with her you know like he can't he can't be like oh there's just really no way you can spin it at with this that point yeah with that people. few people left if you take somebody off it kind of it's like pretty right telling. so basically i'm hoping tyler christmas wins but i think whoever doesn't win between the two of them is going home or you know i get to be honest who put it this way We'll we'll leave the Big Brother talk at this. We'll end it at this. Let's say neither of them win the veto, or neither of them get taken down. Nominations stay the same. So yep. tomorrow night you're voting between Tyler and Christmas. If you were Memphis, Nicole, and Enzo, who would you vote out between the two? I would vote out Tyler in a heartbeat. I don't think they will. I think they're going to vote out Christmas. I personally would vote out Tyler because I think he's the better competitor, and I think. Uh, Christmas can get a little bit in her own head. I She's mean, a little cr- bit of a hot Christmas head. has. Cr- I mean, Christmas is uh, veto or um veto. Uh, uh, jury votes really not existent right now, especially when you're bashing somebody on the way out. And who knows what Danny's saying about her? So I mean, her her veto votes or she, I keep saying veto. Her jury votes aren't going to be there. Tyler, I think, actually legitimately has jury votes. So right. I think you, that you got to send him out. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. We're getting down to the end of it here. They did the triple eviction last week to speed this shit season up. I mean, it really hasn't been all that great. The triple eviction was, you know, exciting. But, you know, in comparison, I personally, you know, so this is really only like the second or third full season I've watched of Big Brother. Uh, this one kind of pales in comparison to others, in my opinion. The uh, the season you guys came in on was a better a better season that they've had. So, so we were just spoiled from the that's beginning. That's true, yes. Well, let's go from one eviction to another eviction. And this second eviction is our hopes at the number one overall pick in the NFL draft in Trevor Lawrence because the Minnesota Vikings tried hard as they might to piss away a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter, managed to hold on and beat the hapless Texans. They actually got their coach fired. I've seen it kind of on social media. Not great when losing to the Minnesota Vikings is the barometer for getting fired as a coach. I mean, the Vikings are so hapless that if you lose to them, you have to you have to be fired. But, you know, the Vikings won last week. Uh, we're 1-3. We've already talked about it. I really don't see any chance that they win. I mean, if you kind of want to know where our minds are at here in our survivor pool, still alive, uh, we considered taking the Seahawks against the Vikings. So. Heavily considered taking the Seahawks. We did not. But we considered it. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, it's kind of a shitty situation where you're finally got your first win. You're one and three. And now you're staring down the barrel of probably two losses in a row. I mean, it'd be probably a miracle if we won one of these games because it's in Seattle and in Green Bay, right? Well, yeah. And not even that. I mean, you have you have Daniil Hunter who might be out for the year now, which at, like we've been talking about at this point. I hate I hate to write the season off twenty five percent of the way through. Anything could happen, especially with an extra playoff spot. And it, unfortunately, this is what happens when the Vikings win one. Which also, again, which is why it sucks so much more that they blew that game against the Titans. Because if you're two and two instead, and maybe you it's, split, it's a huge difference. And if you and let's say you happen to somehow split the next two games between the Seahawks and Packers, don't ask me how you win one, but you win one. You're three and three through playing you know probably one of the tougher parts of your schedule because the titans you know are three you know right now the packers are undefeated the packers don't have a fucking turnover this year i mean you're through the tougher part of your schedule and you're 500 anything could happen put it this way i, I mean i hope daniel hunter probably doesn't come back if there's risk of long-term injury i don't think it makes any sense for him to come back we i mean he's what 24 25 25 no reason for him not to be trifled with yeah no reason for him to like get injured long term really not worth it uh i saw today that eric kendricks is injured didn't even practice today i mean if you have anthony Barr, daniel hunter uh anthony 
no, Eric Hendricks, excuse me, I already said Anthony Barr, uh, Mike Hughes. I mean, you have like four or five defensive starters out against one of the best offenses in the NFL so far. This might be a bloodbath on, on Sunday evening. Let's just say uh, start your Seahawks in the fantasy. Absol- absolutely start your Seahawks. So we'll see what happens. I mean, again, I, I, I asked this last week. I don't think it really changes much between 0-6 or 1-5. and We're going into this these next two games with the anticipation the Vikings are going to lose. I mean, I don't think there's very many Vikings fans out there that can, with a rational... We, we never win in Seattle, ever, Yeah, even when we're good. I don't think there's anyone out there with a rational mindset, even in the most diehard Vikings fans, that can literally say we're going to win the next two and go to 3-3. Three and three. I, I, I would be shocked if we even win one. So if we get to 1-5... and five, we come back to it. Do you fire someone? Does someone have to go? Or do you just keep riding the season out? What do you do? Uh, oh God. I mean, Zimmer, they're saying that Zimmer might have saved his job by winning that game, which, I mean, who knows? Like I said, like you said, when the other coach is firing, or when the other team is firing their coach, that's not a good sign for if, your squad. If, if almost blowing a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter to a team that was previously 0-3 is a game that's going to save your job. That's... Well, and even in even on that same vein, <laughs> the catch, they basically tied the game, but they called the, the Will Fuller catch incomplete, which it was about as close as you could possibly get to. So it was basically a tie game in the fourth. I, I was going against Will Fuller, so I very much appreciated that they did not call So that. I have a little bit of a conundrum here because I watched... Uh, the NDSU game on Saturday, and I watched Trey Lance play. Impressed? No. <laughs> he looked like absolute shit. The dude can run. He's he's like the prototypical NFL body, but he threw some bad, bad passes. Like, I'm talking Spurgeon win type passes. They were He did not look good. And he already declared for the NFL draft, so he's not playing in the spring. And I'm a little, what I'm a little bit concerned about as well is... <laughs> So you have Carson Wentz, went to NDSU, great player at NDSU. He was good for what, a season in the NFL? Like three-fourths of a season, yeah. Good for a season in the NFL. He looks like a shell of himself Yeah, right he's now. leads league in interceptions this year. Unf- so unfortunately, it's going to happen. If whoever drafts Trey Lance, he's immediately going to get compared to Carson Wentz because of their career path. Not necessarily the type of player because they're different players. Trey Lance is more athletic. Carson Wentz is more of a pocket passer. I mean, the thought of Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields on the Vikings excites me, but I don't know how I feel about a Trey Lance. And you look at, I saw... I saw one of the mainstays on Vikings Twitter. His name's Nick Olson. I, I, I legitimately don't know how I found this dude. Never heard, never met this guy in my life. Don't know anything about him other than he tweets about the Vikings all the time. Loves Stefan Diggs, whatever. He did uh, two mock drafts today. One where we traded up for a quarterback, and then one where we stayed put. And the one that we traded up for a quarterback, it was for Trey Lance at like eight or something. I, I don't even know at this pace if we're going to have to trade up to eight, but we had to trade up to eight, and then our next pick was like in the 70s. So unless you think getting Barr and Daniil back and our corners are going to take a big step up, I think we got to acquire more top-level talent than trading up for a quarterback. He also did another mock draft where we didn't trade up. Uh, we ended up with Rashad Bateman in that draft. Obviously, I would be thrilled Huge about I would be thrilled about that, but Regardless, I don't really know what the Vikings are going to do. It's tough. It's tough to project this far out. Like I said, you know, I'm anticipating two weeks from now we'll be sitting here, or three weeks from now, I should say, we'll be sitting here talking about uh, a one in five team. And, you know, basically, if the playoffs aren't already dead, you lose the next two playoffs are dead. So the thing that worries me most about the Vikings is we are in that no man's land right now. And if you're going to go with a, a guy like Trey Lance, let's just, let's just, Think about how Rick Spielman has not developed or has not picked guys that have developed as far as quarterback. I don't think he's ever drafted a quarterback that's been worth anything. And offensive lineman. Those are the two positions where it's like, I don't trust him to not pick a proven commodity. And picking a Trey Lance and having him come in under Zimmer, probably dude's probably scared, probably shit his pants when Zimmer yells at him. So I, 
it's tough because you'd want Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, that, that dream is absolutely dead. And then Justin Fields is really the only other guy. But I think he'll, he'll probably, probably end up go going two. top five. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, you know, it's so speculative. But you almost punt. You almost punt away the quarterback dream this year. You're probably going to be in that eight to fifteen range. Pick hopefully pick an offensive lineman. I mean, Kirk's under contract anyways. So, I don't. I guess we're looking at 2022 quarterbacks at this point. Maybe Tanner Morgan. Uh, Tanner Morgan, roll the boat. Uh, the other thing, the other complaint I have as we're, while we're talking Vikings and draft, the other complaint I have about Rick Spielman is this dude just has to give up the the notion that trading back a million times and acquiring seventeen draft picks in a draft is the way to go because you end up cutting half those guys. You're banking on basically winning the lottery, for lack of a better term. You're trying to hit on a guy that. You know, if we had amazing scouts in, like, the best scouting department in the NFL and we kept churning these late-round draft picks out into all-stars, then sure, that's absolutely the right strategy. And have we done that before? Absolutely. We've for sure turned, you know, late-round, even Daniel Hunter. I mean, he's, like, one of the best players in the NFL. He was a third-round pick. So, like, it can happen, but at some point, we just got to stop trading back and back and acquiring 15 draft picks and go up and just get guys we really like that have talent and have shown it like you know i i just it frustrates me to no end when the vikings just sit there and they just keep trading back rick spielman is me at a restaurant this past saturday when i did my pull tabs i was like oh we got 80 bucks here you know we got a conglomerate we're for sure gonna win did we win no yeah, that's normally how pull tabs go. So I'm I'm sorry to hear about your loss, but yeah, and the, the the worst part, the worst part about the Rick Spielman draft strategy is, if he nails on a pick, then it's like, look at this, I drafted you know Stephon Diggs in the fifth round, one of the best receivers in the NFL, and then if they don't pan out, he could just be like. Well, you know, he was a six-round pick. Like, did never expected him to. Yeah, he's supposed to be a role guy. So he's a, It's almost Steal like steal the, the show. Yeah, it's almost like the can't lose, you know, situation that he's going for. And I just, we just extend extended Spielman and Zimmer this off season. We extended Kirk Cousins. I mean, put it this we're way: we're in the we're in no man's. I hate right I now. hate to be looking forward to 2022 or 2021 already for our season, but. At this point, I mean, you get basically our defensive studs back with Daniil and Anthony Barr. You hopefully resign Unique Ngakwe. You get Michael Pierce back, who opted out. You have a bunch of fresh, nubile corners who have a full year underneath them. Maybe the defense takes another step up under Zimmer, and maybe the offense. You know, just Justin Jefferson, I guess we haven't even mentioned him yet. He's breaking out. He looks like the real deal. He looks like you know, people complain, why don't we take an old lineman? Why don't we take X, Y, and Z? Justin Jefferson, I know it's only been two weeks. He looks like the real deal. He looks awesome. Yeah. He's had two games in a row over 100 yards. He's looking like an absolute stud. He's setting uh, marks with his stats that only Randy Moss has previously set. So he looks like the real deal. Uh, he looks great next to Adam Thielen. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned on offense about uh, Irv Smith. We used a second-round pick on him. That dude, for you know, now what is it, twenty, twenty-two games, has been non-existent. And I get we have Kyle Rudolph, but I mean, Kyle Rudolph is old. He's slow. I'm sure he's a decent blocker for as far as I can tell. But I never have heard of Kyle Rudolph as like an amazing blocker. Like can't remove him from the lineup because he's clearing holes. And Irv Smith is supposed to be like this new breed of tight end, you know, the the Kelseys, the Kittles, the Mark Andrews, the athletic, you know, wide receiver type tight end, and he's been non-existent. So uh, does he even have a catch this year? I, I mean, don't even know. I I mean, our our O line. I saw Jerusalem might be like the worst pro football focus rated offensive lineman this entire season. Oh and, no, not not even that. I think he's the worst rated player in the league. He's like 700 or like, you know, start or whatever. He's like and, 700 of 700. And that's like your that. starting right guard yeah. right now. So things have just not gone to plan. I mean, have things really gone to plan for any NFL team this year? Not really. It's been very, very unfortunate for a lot of teams. It has not gone to plan for the Vikings. You know, you couldn't anticipate your two best defenders or two of your best defenders being out. Uh, Michael Pierce opted out 
hurts us a lot more, I think, than we ever realized it would. Um, you know, this season, it is what it is at this point. I, I as, our, as our good friend Tim Kennedy once said, it is what it is. And there's really nothing we can do about it now other than stare down the barrel of one and five. You know, I think you forgot the second portion of that philosophical quote. The first part is, is it, it is what it is. The second part is, and it ain't what it ain't. Oh, I don't even remember that part. Speaking of Tim Kennedy, whenever you call me, Tim Kennedy is your contact photo in my phone. What with a that, legend. That goofy-ass smile. But this is not the Tim Kennedy podcast. Uh, enough about the Vikings. Like I said, I hate – I love the Vikings. They're one of, They're probably my number one team uh, with the Gopher football team in the Arsenal right up there. But And I hate to root against them. I always want them to do well. But when there's draft capital on the line and there's a chance, you know – I'm rooting for the best interests of the team. And I don't necessarily know, you know, some people tend to disagree. I don't necessarily know that rooting for us to win every single game when we're like one in five is the best interest of the team. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's tough to root against your team, but maybe you can have a more apathetic. Well, we know how to do this. We've been doing this with the Timberwolves for 20 years. So we might be doing that for the Timberwolves for another 20 years, but we digress. Well, at some point we'll talk about the Timberwolves because they do have the number one overall pick in the upcoming draft. But tonight is not that night. Uh, The only other real sports talk we have is uh, the wild have been making some moves. Now I will say this is what like, five to ten episodes ago i kind of asked for the wild to do like this is exactly what i wanted them to do and let me preface this by saying i hardly know a lick about hockey i do not know anything i was i was watching the nhl draft last night just because you know i didn't see anything else on could not tell you a single player that was drafted in the top 10 know nothing about these guys never heard of any of them but this is exactly what we wanted the wild to do we got stall out the door Bill Guerin channeled his inner Ari Gold with the paintball where he just walks in the office and he's just shooting people with the paintballs. You're gone. You're gone. I mean, he got, he's gotten rid of like 10 guys. Yeah. Basically so since so he, he, over. he got rid of Stahl. Uh, we got rid of... We traded Dubnik. Yep. Dubnik to the Sharks. Uh, what were some of the other moves? We there traded Donato to the Sharks. Traded Donato. Just didn't have a spot for him. Uh, we basically told Koivu to fuck off. We don't want him back anymore. Yeah. So like we're getting rid of these older guys that have been for lack of a better term stale they've been stale with the wild like they just have been that's really all it comes down to the wild are are always consistently caught in no man's land they're not winning in the playoffs they're also not high enough to have a really good draft pick i mean i saw people loved this rossi guy we drafted ninth overall yesterday could not t- I've never even seen a highlight of him. I don't I don't know anything about him. If the Wild fans and the Wild Twitter contingent is happy, I'm okay. There are with rumors it too. that he could possibly start the season with see, with us this year, which is pretty cool. See, that's so that's the other Oh, thing. we also traded Luke Cunning. That's who the other yep. one was. I was thinking and I I saw we did trade him for like a thirty two year old forward and some other draft picks, yep. but whatever the the rumor is that we traded for this forward because he's just basically going to bridge the gap between our number nine overall pick from last Correct. night until yes. he's, he's ready a, to he's play. He's a center, so he'll be with us for one year, and then he'll be gone. Now, the one question I do have for you is, so in the NFL, if you're a first-round draft pick, you're expected to start and contribute in a big way. In the NBA, if you're a first-round pick, you're expected to contribute right away, even at the end. Like Even if you're not a starter, I mean, you're a role player, you're playing off the bench. Uh, baseball is goofy as shit. You know, you, you got guys playing in the minors for four or five years. Baseball is, mm, I'll never understand. Hockey. In hockey, is it, because you're in a more elite hockey mind than I am. In hockey, if you're a first-round pick, are you expected to play that season? Or are you expected to be up in the leagues in a few years? Like, what is the general So, so, so I'd say of the, th- you know, of the 30, what was it, 31 teams that there are now? So 31 first-round picks. Maybe there's gonna be one or two that are gonna start out of you know fresh out of training camp. The Connor McDavid, the Jack. I was gonna I- say like your Connor, the McDavid's. Jack Eichels, that Lafreniere guy who went number one from Gi- the Giants, right. the Rangers. Rangers. He'll, he'll he'll start on them right away. Um, with this Marco Rossi pick, it sounds like the reason we took him is because <laughs> they said he was older. <laughs> I think by that it means he was 19 instead of 18. Oh my god! I, yeah, and he he needs to put some weight on his frame. But it does sound like the reason we took him is because he can step in right away and play. 
So, I mean, put it this way. The, the Wild are getting some of the old gray hairs out of the lineup and getting some fresh new faces. We've already applauded Bill Guerin for the Kevin Fiala trade. Was it was Bill Guerin? That was Fenton. Only the good thing he ever All did. All right, Fenton, nice work. Uh, Bill Guerin, I was ready to give you credit. But anyways, the Fiala trade, I mean, Fiala looks like our best player. He's exciting. We got our boy Spurgeon mm-hmm. locked up long term. I like that guy. Uh, so I also know that Staylock is our goalie, but Hunter C was on the pod and mentioned that the guy we have on the Iowa Wild is supposed to be Capo like possibly our starter. Is that a, is that possible? So the only other two things, the literally the only other two things I see us possibly doing this offseason is getting a veteran goalie, like they're saying, possibly Mark Andre Fleury. That would oh. be a, that would be like a two year type deal, bridge the gap for Kockinen. And the other thing that that is possibly percolating is that we trade Dumba. And if we trade Dumba, it'd be for a number one center. But now that since we drafted Marco Polo Rossi, I don't know if that's going to happen. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you this much: that is the most wild talk you'll hear from us in a long time because I know nothing about them. I have very limited wild knowledge. Um, you have a little bit more knowledge. Uh, maybe we'll have Hunter C on for a season preview. We keep promising all these season previews. You know, we got to have the Gopher one coming up. Uh, the get the Gophers what two weeks from now? Two no three Saturdays. Twenty fourth. Ooh, getting excited. Uh, but yeah, that is your sports update for this week. And really, since we were just talking hockey, we'll skate on over to the final segment of the show. It's not recommendations. It's not a draft because it's only the two of us. Uh, we are going to power rankings, and the power rankings are what the three things we miss the most about live sports. It's no secret that you and I both are diehard sports fans, love sports. It's also no secret that we used to go to games on a pretty regular basis. I mean, along the line of, you know, along with concerts, we would set aside some money every year to be like, I don't know what game it's going to be, whether it's a Vikings game, whether it's a Gopher game, whether it's a you know nice tickets to a Timberwolves game, a Wild game. We would all you know inadvertently we would set aside some money, and be like we we got to go to a fun game. So we're going to power rank the three things we miss most about live sports. You know, three being, you know, I miss this. One being, I wish I could do this tomorrow. So. Do you want me to go first, or would you like to well, go first? Since it was your idea, why don't you start it out? I will go. Number three. Uh, number three for me is the anticipation the night before. I think, you know, when you got a go-for-football game on a Saturday morning, especially those 11 a.m. games, or a Vikings game on a Sunday morning, and you're just like, the night before, you're so excited. You're like, especially when our teams are good, you're thinking about, oh, I can't wait for this game tomorrow. You know, it's going to be so cool to be in the stadium, feel the atmosphere. You know, I I think back to, you know, how giddy I was last year, the night before the Penn State game. I mean, I was jacked. I could not wait. I mean, it helped that this is one of the best gopher teams we had in years um, and that the weather was going to be beautiful and we had great seats. But just the anticipation, it's almost like a kid before Christmas. You're, you're really excited and you just can't we had, wait. We had uh, a couple buddies sleep over last year because we wanted to get up and at them in the, in the morning. I went to get donuts in the morning and so, some guy saw my sweatshirt and said, gophers are taking it today. I was like, buddy, I don't, I don't, I don't think so, man. He's like, nope, they're doing it. Turns out that guy yep. was right. I wonder what that he's guy, up to these that days. That guy was so right. Just yes. walked off into the distance. Could not have been right, more right. So me, I know it's very broad, but number three for me is just the anticipation the night before. You know, really the calm before the storm, for lack of a better term. Uh, my number three, it, it's not necessarily goes with the actual fans in the stands, but it, I, the reason why it's not happening is because of the camp fans in the stands. That's tailgating. And God damn it, do I miss tailgating. We tailgate it. We, we have a nice tailgate spot with the O'Connors in the uh, Sky U Mall lot of the, for, for the Gopher games. We get up early. We're doing flip cup at 11 a.m. with Deb. We're doing bags. We're eating food. We're watching the 11 o'clock slate. I mean, it's the best thing ever. And I, I will just tie right into it because number two for me is tailgating. Tailgating, I love, you know, you go there. Doesn't matter if it's sunny and 85 doesn't matter if it's 30 and snowing we've been to both of those it's a blast no matter what the weather does not matter you know obviously dress appropriately a couple years ago we went out and just split a tailgating ticket for the gopher badger game we split it like 15 ways just had a big old party in the parking lot 
absolute blast. You know, it feel like it's the perfect time to just slam drinks and just inhale about 2 million calories. You know, they lay out the spreads. You got, you know, your salsas, your chips and guac, you know, donuts, uh, candy you just have everything we, we, last year a couple times we had tim o'connor on the on the grill making some uh i think he was making like pancakes and some sausage and eggs and stuff oh I yeah mean, there's bloody mary bars i mean the tailgating is arguably at times especially if it's a game against a lower level opponent or you know it's it's a big game i guess it really doesn't matter sometimes the tailgating is more fun than the game itself oh no it, it absolutely is more fun than the game we, itself especially we, when the two you got the 230 slate it's like 12 31 and you're looking at you're drunk you're looking at your watch you're like what the hell time game does this start we've been notorious for going to just tailgates and not the game itself we've yeah we, we'll, we'll just go to the tailgate and leave yeah let's go we, home we've gone to we we probably last season we probably did that what three times, three or four times. Yeah, it would be like you know the game started two thirty, like two fifteen. We're like, all right, guys, we're going home. It's been I will great. say one of the tailgates last year, uh, definitely scootered home from it all the way home. You know, it was it was like an hour long scooter ride. Uh, I may or may not have flipped over the handlebars of the scooter. Hint, I did. Uh, not my finest moment, but the tailgating was fun and it was worth it. So that's number two what, for me, that's just a tailgate life, man. Yeah, number two for me was tailgating. So you know. Go right into your number two. Uh, my number two again. It doesn't. It it's not exactly the live in the stadium crowd, but it does go along with it, and that's college game day. And especially because last year we went, or I I went to college game day, and I stood there for three hours basically in the crowd, freezing cold, freezing cold. But these college game days now they do them in the stadium. The the uh, little podium that they sit on is comically large. I mean, it's huge. And it's just the, the feel of Saturday morning just isn't there anymore with all college game day. Lee is at like his, his pool in Miami. It's, it's just the, the aura. I understand why they're doing it because it's so cool. But the aura is just not there. We, you know, we don't have the weird signs of, you know, Sam Ponder Sumpf. We don't have like, we just don't have, it's just, the, the lure is just not there this year. And we I miss have, college game yeah, day. Yeah, we don't have the random Venmo barcode yeah. so people can pay. Uh, I will say we, we, I did not go to last year's Gopher Tailgate or, uh, Excuse me. I went to several Gopher tailgates last year. I did not go to last year's Gopher game day, uh, college game day. We have been though another time, St. John's University. We did. That was super cool. I mean, I guess it technically wasn't game day, but to a degree, it was. Yeah. Uh, super cool. So yes, a very cool experience. I know that you get up early. Like I said, you these people from from the from the Gopher game day experience. I we got there. Game day starts at 8. We got there about 8. There had been people there since 2 in the morning, basically, to get up in the pit. In freezing cold uh, Freezing weather. cold weather. It was a magical experience. The snow was falling. Lee picked the Gophers. I mean, it was amazing. And and for how cool, you know, college game day is, I get it's a totally different, you know, league. But, you know, the Sunday morning uh, pregame for the NFL, I, I, I think I would rather sew or knit then watch that that, that we, we watch so, it on mute just so there's something on the so other TV. boring to me i don't care so yes the the college game day experience is one thing we do miss and and to a degree that is what we miss about live sports because that's how you have the live audience in the background all the drunk college kids and fans just going crazy yep. hoping that lee picks their team you know you stand there for three four hours just to hope that Lee picks your team, you know, so puts your headgear on. So number two, that's a great choice. Uh, number one for me, and this is very applicable to uh, actually being in the stands as fans at a game, and it's the camaraderie with the randoms in the stands. Oh, great answer. It does not matter. It does not matter if uh, you're on the road. You know, you're a Wild fan playing the Blackhawks in Chicago. Doesn't matter if it's a home game. You are immediately everyone's best friend that is wearing the same colors. You know, it'll be interesting to see when live sports come back how people are with, you know, like high fives, the high fives, yep. the hugs, the passing I mean, the beer down the aisle. Yeah, passing the money right back. Yep. But the camaraderie, you know, like when, I mean, last year when the Gophers were playing Penn State, I know I keep going back to that, but we were high fiving everyone and their mother within a four row radius. I mean, it was. Boom, boom, boom. It was like anyone that had a hand up, you're getting a high five. Uh, we've talked about going to away games. When we went to the Gopher Iowa game a couple years ago, there were Gopher fans few and far between. I think we were, we were you know, given the eyes and, 
you know, you're like eight rows with, over, you're doing the point, yeah, and you, then the head got, nod, yep. Any anytime, like even a gopher's first down, you're finding the the group of six, ten rows behind you, and you're you're doing the first down. You guys are you know giving the look at each other, like yeah, this is our for drive for a three thing. hour time period, like you said. If you're wearing the same color as them, you're best friends, and then you just go on your merry way, and you just. Poof. Never, never to see that person again. You, you would think when you're in the stadium with that person, it's more true for road games. But even so, the people you're sitting at it. And you know what? I shouldn't say it's only your allies because we were at a Gopher Badger game and we sat next to a father and son Badger fan. They were some of the nicest people I ever met. Totally reasonable fans. Neither of us were thrown in each other's face. Even they were cool. So just the camaraderie all around. And the people we, are there to have a good time. When we went to Chicago and we saw on the rail, we met that guy just hanging out on the edge just by himself. That was a really cool guy too. Yeah, super cool people. And, you know, you know when we watched the Wild beat the Blackhawks in the United Center, you know, all the Wild fans going down the escalators, we were singing Chelsea Dagger right in all the, the Blackhawks fans' faces. I mean, it's it's – one word, it's the camaraderie. It's an absolute blast going to live sports and just having that fandom that you can bond over. Everyone loves that aspect of it. I love that answer. Uh, my number one, and this is the, the antithesis of fans being in the stands, and that's the crowd reactions. Oh, it's, yeah. you know, rushing the field when you beat Penn State. It's when you hit a game-winning three and the, the roof blows off the, the arena. I mean... I think, honestly, the reason why the NBA Finals numbers are so down this year is because they're playing in a bubble and there's no fans. Right. I mean, it's just not can you imagine exciting. how fun it would be if they're in L.A., if they're in Miami? The crowd would be going bananas. Absolutely bananas. And, like, same same with, like, even I was watching soccer highlights today. I was watching soccer highlights because Arsenal was talking about what their goal of the month was. And, you know, they show a goal that uh, – one of our players scored and you know traditionally the crowd would go nuts especially in soccer it's noticeable because if you're playing at an away stadium you get a certain section of the stadium because they take it very seriously over there so all your fans are contained in like a four section corner and you can see the rest of the stadium no reaction and that stadium goes nuts and you can hear them go wild and crazy and in this little video clip, it was an amazing goal. And all you could hear was the fake crowd noise. And then the players on the field like, yeah, I can't, can't believe a nice goal. Like, it's just totally, totally different. And it's sad to think that it's going to be a while before we get that. Well, and just think, when we went to that Monday night game last year, the Vikings-Packers, how cool were just the intros? I so mean, you cool. could feel the heat in the upper level. When the when the Vikings horn flung off the heat, I mean, it's like you said, it's going to be a while before it happens. But when it happens again, holy moly, it's going to be people are going to be fingering themselves in the crowd. I I cannot I can. Megan, you didn't like that analogy. <laughs> that that elicited a whoa reaction. Uh, but yes, that is our power rankings of things we miss most about live sports. This is a sports podcast. I really really miss being able to go to them. I mean. Ironically, I didn't even mention about going to a Boston Red Sox playoff game with this in mind. It was just a meet. It just came to mind, and now I'm tying it all full circle. You know, I just, especially because you know, traditionally, uh, the games we go to almost never disappoint. They're almost always a great time. So, those are the three things. Come, we come to most. think of it, other than a few paltry, you know, Tuesday wild games. One of the last live events we went to was the Gopher Penn State game. Yeah, and it was an amazing experience. I hope, you know, obviously it'll come back at some point. Live sports will come back at some point. Fans will come back at some point. I mean, it's not gone for good. We are fine there. But just reminiscing about it makes me wish, you know, I I wish. You know what we might have to do at some point? No, not we might have to. We will do this. We Talking about tailgating has got me all jazzed up. We need to find a gopher game coming up. Uh, friends of the pod invited, uh, where we just need to do basically a mock tailgate at our place. Maybe grill up some stuff on the grill. Grill on, some on, yep. things up, have some drinking going on, preferably like a 2.30 game yep. so we're not all up at the ass crack of dawn. But basically do a mock tailgate at, at the place and just, you know, treat it like we're going to the game and it'll almost be it'll be second nature to us because we half the time don't go to the game we just tailgate and watch anyway so we're gonna have to do that we made the decision now it's gonna happen we just got to figure out the game well it'll be the life from the sidelines watch party maybe we'll do a live pod we don't know oh my god that'd be amazing maybe we'll do a live pod live live crowd reactions we'll see but 
Uh, that is all I have for this week. Um, I appreciate people accepting our recording and our episode on a Thursday instead of a Friday so I can go check out what Boston has to offer. I appreciate you I have, being I, flexible. I have one more thing I just need to address here. Oh. Um, one of the biggest power moves of my life was pulled on me on Saturday. Oh, and I my think, God. And I think next week, I, uh, this is just per- percolating in my mind, I think next week we need to power rank the biggest power moves you could possibly do on somebody. Okay, are you going to tell me the power? Yeah, I, the power move of all power moves was pulled on me. I was an utter shock. Okay. We, I went to, uh, for Michelle, Michelle F. from Rochester's birthday. Happy birthday. Went for, out to a uh, restaurant that I won't say I won't say the name of. Let's just say it rhymes with funnies. Okay. In San Luis Park. And uh, we were boxing up our meals you know we had boxed up our meals you know very much ready to go and you know the waitress came by and said you guys you know you guys want another round and we said no we'll you know we'll just we're gonna get ready to go here what did she do she brought us another round just brought another round just i put three beers in front of us i go ian did you order a drink no dan mueller did you order a drink no did i order a drink no just brought us another round right in our faces oh yeah that's horse shit just right in our face that's absolute horseshit. The most well, power move of all power moves. I think she snickered as she walked yeah, away. Yeah, that is a part. So there, there's a little teaser for next week. Next week, we will power rank the power moves. Power squared. We'll have Kanye West power playing in the background. We'll run the power eye from, you know, wing T offense back in the day. Uh, have fun in Boston. I appreciate that. I will enjoy it. Everyone have a fantastic weekend. Be safe. Wear masks. Socially distance. And make sure you get out and vote. Anything else, my friend? I'm good. Please hit the music.